We're going to be learning in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi, the third piece in Hilchus Psule HaMukdashim. This is Perak Yud Gimel Halacha Tess. And the Halacha that Rab Chaim is explaining is that in general, the way the service in the Beis HaMikdash works is the Kohen gathers the blood from the Karban and then he walks it to where it needs to go to be sprinkled on the Mizbeach. If during that walking, he has the thoughts to do this Karban in an improper way, so that invalidates the Karban. Now, in a case where the Kohen walks around in a place where there's no need for him to be, so he's carrying the blood to a totally unnecessary area, so the Rambam rules that that is considered a form of service, and if during that walking around in the wrong place, he has improper thoughts about how to do this Karban, so that would invalidate the Karban. So Rab Chaim's going to explain the basis for that ruling that even walking around in an unnecessary place is considered a form of service. The Rambam writes, If the Kohen walks around with the blood in a place where he doesn't need to go, that's considered walking, that's considered a service. And an improper intention would invalidate it. As the Rambam explains later on in that halacha, it's talking about where the Kohen gathered the blood and all he needed to do was go straight to the Mizbeach and instead he took the blood outside the area of the Mizbeach. So that walking is unnecessary, but it's still considered under the category of service of carrying the blood in the Beis HaMikdash, and if he has an improper intention, so then it would invalidate it. Now the Raivid disagrees, The Raivid questions that the Gemara seems to follow the view of Rabbi Eliezer, that unnecessary walking is not considered a service, so it wouldn't matter what the Kohen's intentions were if he's just wandering around in the wrong place with the blood. So the way Rab Chaim explains the Raivid's question, and he doesn't note this, but this is also how the Mishnah Lamelech before him explains it, is that the Gemar in Zvachim Tesvav rules Holacha Shalobaregel, transporting the blood without carrying it. So let's say someone manages to move the blood towards the Mizbeach by spilling it, or through some other means they move the blood towards the Mizbeach, but they didn't carry it over there. So that's not considered valid transportation in terms of the service of the Beis HaMikdash. Then the Gemara records a debate whether you can correct the situation. So let's say someone spilled the blood, can they go ahead and collect the blood and then carry it over? Or have they messed up the situation and there's no way to fix it? So that's a debate in the Gemara. So the Gemara brings a question from the Mishnah on Daflamid Beis, Nishbach Minakli ala Ritzpa, that if the blood spilled from the vessel onto the floor and then he gathers it up, so it's kosher. And also the Mishnah rules that if a valid person collects the blood and then gives it to someone invalid, then they can just give it back to the valid person and bring it to the Mizbeach. So you see in these cases that you could correct the situation even though the blood has been transported in an improper way but you could correct the situation and bring it to the Mizbeach properly and the carbon will be valid. So the Gemara answers that that's different. It's talking about klape chutz, when the blood was spilled in a way that it left the area of the Mizbeach. So it didn't actually help the blood get closer to the Mizbeach, but rather the spilling took the blood further away from the Mizbeach. So that's why it doesn't count as transporting the blood towards the Mizbeach at all, meaning because the blood is now outside of the area of the Mizbeach, so it doesn't count as carrying or transporting the blood towards the Mizbeach at all, and that's why it could be corrected. But if the person spilled the blood towards the Mizbeach, so that would count as transporting the blood towards the Mizbeach, 
Mizbeach. So that might not be able to be corrected. But you see from this Gemara clearly that if the blood was brought outside of where it's supposed to be, so it's not headed towards the Mizbeach, it's heading in the direction away from the Mizbeach, that is not considered transportation in terms of service in the Beis HaMikdash. That's the whole Gemara's distinction, that transporting the blood away from the Mizbeach is not considered transportation. And that's because it's in the wrong place where it doesn't belong. The blood is supposed to go towards the Mizbeach, not away from it. So now the Ravid has a very strong question on the Rambam. How could the Rambam rule that carrying the blood away from the Mizbeach in the wrong place is considered transportation in Halacha when the Gemara seems to imply that transporting the blood means towards the Mizbeach, but in the wrong area, it doesn't have the Halachic status of carrying the blood. So that's the Ravid's question on the Rambam. So in order to answer this question, Rab Chaim wants to understand what is the conceptual basis of this idea of the Rambam that carrying the blood in the wrong area is still considered carrying as a service in the Beis HaMikdash. So in order to explain this, he points to a distinction that the Rambam himself makes between two different cases. The first is the case that we mentioned. The Gemara records that if the blood was transported without carrying it, it was spilled, so it got moved, but the person didn't carry it. So there's a debate whether that situation can be rectified, whether they can gather up the blood and bring it over to the Beis HaMikdash. So the Rambam rules that they are able to fix the situation. In Psulam Mukdash and Parak Aleph, he says that in a case where it was transported invalidly, they can correct the situation by having a valid person bring the blood over to the Mizbeach. And the Rambam makes no distinction between where the invalid transportation took the blood. Was it towards the Mizbeach or away from the Mizbeach? Because again, it makes no difference. The Gemara only made that distinction in order to defend the view that if the blood made its way towards the Mizbeach, it cannot be fixed. So the Gemara distinguished that if it went away from the Mizbeach, then it could be fixed. But according to the view that the Rambam rules with, that in all situations it can be fixed, so it doesn't make a difference whether the blood went towards the Mizbeach or away from the Mizbeach. In either case, you can fix it by having the right person carry the blood towards the Mizbeach. So that's how the Rambam rules, and that's in accordance with the conclusion of the Gemara, just a blanket ruling that if the blood was moved along improperly, they can fix it by having someone proper carry it towards the Mizbeach. Now, there's a second case in the Gemara, which is where a non-Kohen, a czar, carried the blood towards the Mizbeach. So there, the Rambam rules in Parak Aleph, Halacha Chav Zayin, that you cannot fix the situation. And that also seems to follow from the conclusion of the Gemara, because when the Gemara quotes the Halacha, that if a non-Kohen carried the blood towards the Mizbeach, it doesn't question it the way it questioned the earlier situation where the blood got moved along without carrying. So the Gemara itself seems to build in this distinction that when a non-Kohen carried the blood, it cannot be rectified. You can't just fix the situation by having a Kohen bring the blood towards the Mizbeach now. So once a czar carries the blood towards the Mizbeach, this carbon is now invalidated fully and you can't fix it. And the Rambam reflects that distinction because in the case where the blood got moved along without being carried, the Rambam rules that it can always be fixed. When it comes to a czar carrying the blood, so the Rambam rules that it cannot be fixed and the carbon is invalidated. 
Now, says Rab Chaim, even though this distinction is rooted in the Gemara's discussion, but it also has a very good logical basis. It makes sense. Because when the Tsar carries the blood, so he did the Avoda. That is the service of the Beis HaMikdash to carry the blood towards the Mizbeach. Now, since that service was done by someone invalid, because he's not a Kohen, so that's going to invalidate the whole process. As opposed to when the blood was moved along without being carried, so that actually was no service. There's no service in the Beis HaMikdash of spilling blood, and it ends up falling towards the Mizbeach. So all that happened in that situation is the blood physically ended up closer to the Mizbeach, but it was done absent any service. So the blood is now where it needs to be, or closer to where it needs to be, but it did not get there through any service. So that's why you can correct the situation by picking up the blood and redoing the service, which never happened. So that's the distinction between the case where a czar carries it versus where the blood fell towards the Mizbeach. When a czar carried it, so he did the service and the service was done improperly. So that throws off the whole process and there is no way to fix it because going back is not going to undo the service which was already done improperly. As opposed to when the blood fell towards the Mizbeach, so there it was missing the whole service of carrying the blood. It's not that the service was done improperly, but there was no service done in this case. So even though the blood is now closer to the Mizbeach than it otherwise would have been, it doesn't make a difference and you can just gather it up and redo the service which was never done. And once it's done properly, so then the carbon is back on track to being valid. And in fact, says Rab Chaim, this distinction is made almost explicitly by the Yushalmi at the beginning of the fifth chapter of Yuma. The Yushalmi records a debate whether a czar can do the carrying of the blood towards the Mizbeach. So the Yushalmi asks on the view that a czar is not able to do the carrying from the Mishnah, which says that if the blood was spilled towards the Mizbeach, so they can pick it up and then do the Zrika, or if the Kohen carried the blood in his left hand, so he was supposed to carry it in his right hand, but if he carried it in his left hand, then he can put it into his right hand and do the Zrika. So you see in all of these cases that an invalid carrying is good enough. So the Gemara asks, why can't a czar also do the carrying of the blood? So the Yushalmi answers that there's a distinction between the czar carrying it, which is worse than when the blood gets there on its own. It just sort of spilled over there. So the Yushalmi is saying that when a czar carries the blood, it has more of a status of an invalid service than when the blood just sort of spilled over there or got over there on its own, which does not have the status of a service. And then the Yushalmi quotes that Reb Zeira said, Pshitas yad lo osu that simply extending his hand is not like carrying the blood. So the Yushalmi is making a clear distinction between carrying, which is a service, even if a non-Kohen does it, it's just an invalid service, as opposed to just stretching out his hand or getting the blood towards the Mizbeach without carrying it, which even though that's an improper way to do it, but it doesn't have the status of service, so it doesn't invalidate the whole carbon. So the Yushalmi itself seems to be drawing this distinction that Rab Chaim is making, that carrying the blood is a form of service, even when it's done improperly, as opposed to the blood just making its way towards the Mizbeach, which even though that's also improper, but it doesn't have the status of service, so it's less damaging to this carbon's validity. 
So now given this distinction, says Rab Chaim, this is going to answer the Ravid's question on the Rambam. Because the Rambam and the Gemara are talking about two different cases. The Rambam is referring to a case where the blood is actually being carried. So someone is walking around with it. As opposed to the case of the Gemara where it's talking about where the blood was spilled. So there was no carrying of the blood. And as we said, that's less of a service because even though the blood may have gotten closer to the Mizbeach, but it doesn't have the status of the service. So when the Gemara said that there's a view that even if the blood was not carried properly to the Mizbeach, it just got towards the Mizbeach, that still invalidates the whole service of the carbon. There's no way to fix that situation by redoing the carrying of the blood. So that view must hold that even though there was no service to the carrying of this blood. It's not that that view holds that there is the status of service on the blood just getting towards the carbon, but that view agrees that there is no status of avoda. It's not considered service the way this blood got towards the Mizbeach. But even so, it cannot be fixed because simply the fact that the blood is physically closer to the Mizbeach invalidates the whole process and you can't go back and redo the part of getting the blood towards the Mizbeach. And that's exactly why the Gemara asks on that view from the case where the blood was spilled towards the Mizbeach, because it's the same thing. Even though spilling the blood is clearly not avoda, there's no significance to spilling blood and it falls towards the Mizbeach. But since that view holds that there's no way to correct the situation, once the blood gets physically closer to the Mizbeach, however it gets there, so the same thing would apply even if it's spilled there. So that's the Gemara's question on that view, that the Mishnah said that if the blood was spilled, spilled towards the Mizbeach, you can gather it up and redo the holacha. You can redo the avoda of carrying the blood towards the Mizbeach. So that proves that you could correct the situation. So on that, the Gemara answers, the case of the Mishnah is where the blood fell outside the Mizbeach. So it didn't fall towards the Mizbeach. It fell away from the Mizbeach. So now there's clearly no problem in that case because not only was there no holacha, nobody carried the blood at all, but even the blood that fell didn't fall closer to the Mizbeach, which would invalidate the whole process. There's no way to correct it once it gets closer to the Mizbeach. But in this case, it fell away from the Mizbeach. So it's further from the Mizbeach. So that's why you could collect it and bring it back to the Mizbeach and that will correct the process. Meaning that view only holds that there's a problem if the blood does end up closer to the Mizbeach. But if it ends up further from the Mizbeach, then there's clearly no problem. But that whole discussion in the Gemara is only referring to Holacha Shaloba Regel, when the blood was transported without being carried because it has no status of Avoda. So there it's all going to hinge on whether the blood got closer to the Mizbeach or or not. If it's in the wrong place, then literally nothing was done because there was no avoda and the blood didn't get closer to the Mizbeach, so you can correct the situation. But now the case that the Rambam is talking about is totally different because here someone is carrying the blood. So as we said, carrying always has the status of avoda even when it's done improperly. So when the czar carries the blood, it has the status of improper avoda, which invalidates the whole carbon. So that's exactly why the Rambam holds that even if the Kohen carried the blood in the wrong area, so he didn't carry it closer to the Mizbeach, he carried it away from the Mizbeach, outside the area of the Mizbeach, but that still has the status of an improper avoda, 
And if the Kohen has an improper intention, it's going to invalidate the entire carbon. So this explains the distinction between the Rambam versus the case in the Gemara that the Ravid questions him from. It's based on this idea that carrying is always considered an avoda, even if it's improper, versus the blood spilling or physically getting closer to the Mizbeach, which is not considered avoda. There is a debate in the Gemara whether that process invalidates the carbon or not, but it's not considered avoda. So that's why it's all going to depend on whether the blood is in the right place or not. As opposed to the case where someone is actually carrying it, so that is considered avoda. So even if he's carrying it in the wrong place, outside of where he should be taking it, it still has the status of avoda. And if he has an improper intention, it will invalidate the whole carbon. So that's Rab Chaim's approach to explain the Rambam. Now Rab Chaim uses the view of the Rambam to answer a question of Tosvos in Zvachim Lamid Vav. The Mishnah there says, If he slaughters the carbon with the intention to do something improper, so he's either going to sprinkle the blood or burn the organs of the animal the next day, so after he should have done it, or outside of the Beis HaMikdash. So Rabbi Yehuda holds that the whole carbon is puzzle and the Chachamim hold that it's okay. So Rabbi Yehuda is very strict in a case where he's planning on taking the carbon outside the Beis HaMikdash. Then the Mishnah has another case at the end. Let's say he intends to do the service improperly, but not outside the Beis HaMikdash. He intends to do it in an improper place in the Beis HaMikdash. So if it was supposed to be done outside of the Heichal, outside the building of the Beis HaMikdash in the courtyard, and he plans to do it in the Heichal, or vice versa, it's supposed to be done in the courtyard, and he plans to do it in the Heichal. So in that case, it's still a valid carbon, even though his intention was to do it in the wrong place within the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara asks, why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda disagree with this second case also? The same way he holds that if he was intending to do the carbon outside of the Beis HaMikdash, it's invalid. Why doesn't he hold that if he was intending to do it in the wrong place within the Beis HaMikdash, it should also be invalid? So the Gemara answers in Rabbi Yehuda that Ba'inan Makum Meshulash Rabbi Yehuda requires that the place he's intending to take the carbon to has to be a place where theoretically all three parts of the carbon could be done. So the blood could be sprinkled, the meat could be eaten by the Kohanim, and the organs could be burned all in that same place. Any place which is not a trifecta, you can't do all three of those things in it. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, that's not going to invalidate the carbon. So outside of the Beis HaMikdash, is considered a trifecta place where you could do all three of those things. You could sprinkle the blood, burn the organs of the carbon, and the Kohanim could eat the meat. Because before there was a Beis HaMikdash, early in Jewish history, when they were allowed to bring Karbano privately, so all over Israel, they were doing those three things. So even though when the Beis HaMikdash was built, that was prohibited to do a private carbon, everything had to be done in the Beis HaMikdash, but the area outside of the Beis HaMikdash remains with that status that all three of them could be done. And that's why, according to Rabbi Yehuda, if the intention was to do this service outside of the Beis HaMikdash, it's going to invalidate the carbon. But in the Heichal of the Beis HaMikdash, you could sprinkle the blood, but you don't eat the meat and you don't burn the organs. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, if he intended to do the carbon improperly in the Heichal, that's not going to invalidate the carbon because it doesn't have the ability to do all three of those things in one place. So the iron 
irony of this is that according to Rabbi Yehuda, intending to do the service outside of the Beis HaMikdash is worse than intending to do it in the wrong place in the Beis HaMikdash, precisely because outside the Beis HaMikdash actually has a leg up because there was a time in Jewish history when all three parts of the Karban could be done in the same place outside the Beis HaMikdash. So now the Gemara gets into a discussion about whether Rabbi Yehuda requires this trifecta, that all three of them could be done in the same place. And it quotes a Brisa that Rabbi Yehuda interprets the word davara, a bad thing, which the Torah warns against slaughtering as a karban. So that includes a chatas, which was slaughtered in the wrong place, or a chatas where the blood was brought into the heichal. Now what that really means is that he slaughtered it with the intention of bringing the blood into the heichal, and that still invalidates the chatas. So you see in this case that even the intention to bring something into the heichal still invalidates the karban, even though the heichal is not a place where all three things could be done. So that seems to indicate that Rabbi Yehuda does not require the trifecta in order to invalidate the carbon. But then the Gemara quotes that there's another Mishnah the other way, where it seems to indicate that Rabbi Yehuda does require this trifecta in order to invalidate the carbon, because Rabbi Yehuda says that if someone brings the chatas blood into the heichal, so if they did it bishogeg unintentionally, then it's still valid, but bimezid, it's invalid. And that's talking about where he actually did the sprinkling in the heichal. So that means if he just walked into the heichal with Without sprinkling it, even bemazed in all cases, the carbon remains valid. So the Gemara says, if when he even brings it in, it remains valid, so certainly when he only thought about bringing it in, it should remain valid. In other words, the Gemara is introducing a new idea here that if even bringing something in, even doing the thing which wasn't supposed to be done, doesn't invalidate the carbon, then certainly just thinking about it at the time of the slaughtering it should not invalidate the carbon because thinking about it is less than doing it. So in the case where he slaughtered the chatas with the intention to improperly bring the blood into the heichal, if according to Rabbi Yehuda, actually bringing the blood into the heichal would not invalidate the carbon, so certainly just thinking about it when he's slaughtering it should not invalidate the carbon. So that's the idea that the Gemara quotes to show that Rabbi Yehuda holds that thinking about bringing something into the heichal is not going to invalidate it because it needs to be a place where the blood, the organs, and the meat could all be dealt with in the same place. So that's the Gemara. Now Tosos asks on the last idea of the Gemara that it would seem to under mind the whole concept of pigol because pigol means that if the Kohen slaughtered the sacrifice intending to do part of it wrong so it invalidates the whole carbon even though if he actually did that thing wrong it would not invalidate the carbon so let's say the Kohen sprinkled some of the blood outside the Beis HaMikdash but some of it he did properly or let's say he ate a little bit of the meat outside the Beis HaMikdash that would not actually invalidate the carbon but if he intended to to do that when he slaughtered the carbon, so in his mind he was intending to sprinkle even a little bit of the blood outside or to eat a little bit of the meat outside, that would invalidate the carbon. So the idea of Pigol clearly teaches that thinking about something can be worse than actually doing it. 
So it should follow the same thing in this case, that when Rabbi Yehuda says that walking into the Heichal with the blood of the Chattas doesn't invalidate it, but thinking about it could invalidate it. So basically, there's a contradiction between what this Gemara says and the whole idea of Pigol. This Gemara says that thinking about something cannot be worse than actually doing it, whereas according to Pigol, thinking about something when he's slaughtering the carbon is worse than actually doing it. So Rab Chaim proposes an answer to Tosis's question based on the Rambam's view about unnecessary carrying. Now first he references an idea that he himself developed in the first piece in Hilchus Psule Amukdashim, so two pieces ago, and that is that the halacha that carrying the blood of the chatas into the heichal disqualifies it only refers to when he was intending to atone with this blood inside of the heichal. Just carrying it in alone is not going to disqualify it unless he was planning on doing the sprinkling and atoning in the heichal. So Rab Chaim developed that idea in the first piece in Hilchus Psula Mugdashim, and he begins with that. Now, when we put that together with the Rambam's view that if the Kohen carries the blood even in a place where he's not supposed to be taking it, that's still considered a Voda, and if he has an improper intention at that point, it will invalidate the carbon. So putting this all together, if the Kohen carries the blood of the Chattas into the Heichal, with the intention of atoning there, of doing the sprinkling in the Heichal, so according to the Rambam, that is considered the Avoda of carrying the blood, even though he's in the wrong place. There's no reason for him to be in the Heichal. In fact, he's not even supposed to be in the Heichal. But even so, according to the Rambam, carrying the blood in the wrong place is considered avoda, and since he had intention to do the sprinkling in the wrong place, so that's now going to invalidate the carbon. So that's exactly the Gemara's point in Rabbi Yehuda, that since Rabbi Yehuda holds that walking into the Heichal with the intention to sprinkle does not invalidate the blood, unless he actually sprinkled it bemazed, but if he didn't end up sprinkling it, it does not invalidate the blood. So it must follow that according to Rabbi Yehuda, thinking alone is is not going to invalidate the blood. Because this is a case where there was an avoda of holacha, he was carrying the blood, and he had the intention to sprinkle it in the wrong place, and still, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the blood is not invalidated. So the explanation for that must be that thinking to do something in the heichal doesn't invalidate it, because it doesn't have the trifecta of blood, organs, and meat, since it's not a place where all three of those could happen, so it's not a place where thinking to do the wrong thing is going to invalidate it. So that's the basic point that the Gemara is making to prove that Rabbi Yehuda requires a place where all three of those things could be done. Otherwise, thinking about doing something there is not going to invalidate it. That's how the Gemara gets there by putting together Rab Chaim's idea that bringing the blood of the Chattas into the Heichal alone does not invalidate it. There needs to be an intention to do the Avoda there, together with the Rambam's idea that the Kohen carrying the blood in the wrong place is still considered avoda and the wrong intention would invalidate the carbon. So you put those two things together and it means that if Rabbi Yehuda holds the blood is not invalidated, it must be that the heichal is not a place that invalidates things by intending to do the wrong avoda there because you cannot do the blood, organs, and meat all in the same place in the heichal. So that's how Rabbi Chaim explains that step of the Gemara. Now the Gemara though said something a little different. 
the Gemara itself said that if carrying the blood into the Heichal itself is not going to invalidate the blood, then certainly planning and intending to do so at the moment of the Shechita is not going to invalidate the blood. So the Gemara seemed to emphasize a different point than the way Rab Chaim explained this. So Rab Chaim suggests very creatively that according to the Rambam, there's a totally different way to interpret that line of the Gemara. And the way he interprets this is that the Halacha that carrying blood of the chatas into the heichal disqualifies it includes two aspects. One is that he sprinkles in the heichal, so he improperly atones in the heichal with this blood. And the second is that he brings it into the heichal. So it also has to include the carrying of the blood into the heichal. Now, as we said, according to Rab Chaim, the intention to atone with the chatas blood in the heichal is necessary in order to disqualify this blood. So accordingly, Rab Chaim says, it's not enough to have intention just to sprinkle the blood, but the intention has to include both aspects of what the person is doing. So they need to intend to carry the blood of the chatas into the heichal, and they also need to intend to do the atonement in the heichal. So both of those aspects need to be part of their intention. So if that's the case, if someone walks into the heichal with the chatas blood, at that point they've already violated the first step of the process because they brought the blood into the heichal with the intention of bringing that blood in in order to use it for atonement. So they've now done the holacha fully and they fully intended to bring the chatas blood into the heichal as part of the atonement process. So now, if they don't end up doing the atonement, the sprinkling in the heichal, instead they just walk out holding the blood. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, that blood is not disqualified. But what the Gemara is pointing out is a very key point, that according to Rabbi Yehuda, even though the sprinkling didn't end up happening, but the holacha ended up fully happening. They intended to carry the schatas blood into the heichal as part of the atonement, and they did so. So why shouldn't the blood be disqualified because of the holacha aspect? Even though it's true that the actual sprinkling never happened, but the holacha aspect of this whole prohibition did happen, so that alone should be sufficient to disqualify the blood. So the fact that Rabbi Yehuda says that that blood is not disqualified can only be because he holds that the heichal is not a place which disqualifies because of intention, because it's not a place where the blood organs and meat can all be dealt with. And in order for intention to disqualify, it must be an intention to do something in a place where all three of those things could be done. So that's the Gemara's proof in Rabbi Yehuda that he obviously holds that the heichal is not a place which can disqualify by intending to do something there. So so now to read this into the words of the Gemara, what the Gemara is saying is that in a case where he actually carried the blood of the chatas into the heichal with the intention of that being part of the process of atonement and he also had intention to do the sprinkling in the heichal so all that's missing is the one little piece that he didn't actually do the sprinkling in the heichal but he had the full intention 
to do that atonement in the Heichal, and still in that case, the blood is not invalidated. So that shows us that intention alone, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is not going to invalidate this blood. And the reason, again, has to be because the Heichal is not a place where intention invalidates the blood. So according to Rabbi Chaim, this last principle of the Gemara is not as Tosos understood it. It's not saying that actions are stronger than intentions, which would contradict the idea of Pigol, where intentions are stronger than actions, according to Rab Chaim, the Gemara is saying nothing about intentions versus actions. It's just saying that even in a case where the person had the full holacha with the wrong intention, as well as the intention to atone, it still doesn't invalidate the blood. So that tells us that the heichal must not be a place where intentions invalidate. So the way Rab Chaim is interpreting this Gemara, according to the Rambam's position, would answer Tosus's question because the Gemara never says anything about actions being stronger than intentions. So that's how Reb Chaim proposes a new creative reading of this Gemara according to the Rambam. And he says that Tosos, who does not read the Gemara this way, so it's not that he's unaware of this reading, but it's because he holds like the Ravid who disagrees with the Rambam and holds that an unnecessary walking is not a form of Avoda. It's totally meaningless. And that's also the view of Rashi at the end of the first parak of Zvachim in this discussion about unnecessary walking, he says that the Rabbanan do not disagree with Rabbi Eliezer. So there's nobody that holds that an unnecessary walking is considered avoda. So Rashi, Tosos, and the Raivid all disagree with the Rambam. They hold that an unnecessary walking is not avoda, and therefore any improper intentions that he has during that walking would not invalidate the Karban. So that's why Tosos doesn't read the Gemara like the Rambam, because he's following in the view of Rashi and the Raivid that unnecessary walking is meaningless. So the fact that the Kohen had improper intention while carrying the Chattas blood into the Heichal is irrelevant because that's an unnecessary walk. So anything he thought during that time is irrelevant. So this is how Rab Chaim sets up the views of the Raivan and Tosvos versus the Rambam in interpreting these Gemaras. And this is his explanation for the approach of the Rambam. The key conceptual idea that Rab Chaim develops is that there's a distinction between carrying the blood which even if it's done improperly, so it's in the wrong place or it's by the wrong person, is still considered a form of avoda versus the blood just getting closer to the Mizbeach, like if it's spilled, which is improper, but it's not considered an avoda. It doesn't have that status. So therefore it's less damaging long-term to the process of the carbon. Now, Rav Shach in the Avi Ezri in Psula Mukdashim Bey's Tazayin, so he quotes Rav Chaim's answer to Tosus's question at the end of this piece, but he doesn't quote it by name. He just says that he saw someone who suggested this answer. So it sounds like he may have forgotten where he saw it. It's strange that he doesn't quote Rab Chaim by name when he's always dealing with ideas in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim Alevi. But either way, Rav Shach has two questions on Rab Chaim's answer to Tosvos. First, Rav Shach questions the idea that the Kohen carrying the Chattas blood into the Heichal is the same as the case of an unnecessary carrying of the blood in the wrong place. He says that the general case of unnecessary carrying is where the Kohen goes a roundabout way to the Mizbeach. So he's trying to make his way to the Mizbeach, but instead of going in a straight line, he walks around the Beis HaMikdash. So he's carrying the blood in places where he shouldn't be, but he is trying to get himself to where he needs to be, to the Mizbeach. In the case of the Gemara in Zvachim, Rab Chaim's answer to Tosvos, that case is talking about where the Kohen is going into the Heichal, and he's not intending in bringing this blood back to the Mizbeach.
Mizbeach. So he's not trying to make his way back to the Mizbeach in a roundabout, unnecessary way, but he's going in the totally wrong place and he's going to leave the blood there. So says Rav Shach, that can't really be considered an unnecessary walking. That's an even worse situation because he's not trying to get the blood to the Mizbeach at all. So anything he thinks during that walk, even according to the Rambam, would be irrelevant. So that's his first question. He doesn't believe that this case falls under the category of an unnecessary walking about which the Rambam and the Ravid are disagreeing. He says that it's even worse because the Kohen is not trying to get to the right place. The second issue that he raises is that Rab Chaim's approach is based on his dissection of what the Kohen is doing here into two different processes. First, he's walking into the Heichal. Second, he's sprinkling the blood. So his intention, likewise, has two different components. He's intending to walk into the Heichal, and he's intending to sprinkle the blood. But Rav Shach asks that he doesn't think there's really two steps to this process. There's only one. The Kohen is intending to sprinkle the blood in the Heichal. The walking into the Heichal is part of that overall process. But you can't view that as a distinct step in the overall process to say that once he gets into the Heichal, he's already accomplished step one fully, both the action and the intention of walking the blood into the Heichal. Because the Kohen doesn't really intend to walk the blood into the Heichal. He only intends to sprinkle the blood into the Heichal and walking is part of the process of getting it in there. So Rav Shach questions this idea that Rav Chaim develops that there are two different distinct components to this. He thinks that maybe they're just part of one big process that the Kohen is trying to get the blood into the Heichal to sprinkle it there.